You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with our sermon and the text of our sermon this morning, which will be John 1, the verses 1 through 18, I would invite you to open in your Bibles and we'll read from the Word of the Lord about the Word of the Lord in Psalm 33. God in His Word reveals Himself. And as we read in Psalm 33, the Word of the Lord is powerful. It's right and true, faithful and powerful. By the Word of the Lord, we read in verse 6, the heavens were made. So let's read the entire psalm. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It's fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Sing skillfully. Shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of His unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters into the, of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its strength, it cannot save But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May Your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. We'll also read from the New Testament, from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We'll read of Him who proclaimed the word of the Lord before He was made flesh and came into the world, John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, Coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. 
And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the foot of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the the chaff with unquenchable fire. Our text this morning is John chapter 1, the verses 1 through 18. I hope this Sunday and subsequent Sunday mornings to preach from this book, the book of John. And so we'll begin where John begins, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true life that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it didn't happen on today, on this day, 346 years ago, And it might have not happened at all, but so the story goes that sitting under an apple tree, Sir Isaac Newton took one off the head and discovered what every creature on this earth had experienced before him. What goes up must come down. Or you could say the rule that in this world things tend downward. He discovered, as we know it, the law of gravity. And that's a good thing for us, because as fun as it would be to float around weightless in this world, that would also pose significant 
problems and challenges for us to overcome. Gravity is just the way things work in this world. But I wonder if you've ever considered the rule that Newton never discovered, or at least never mentioned, but seems to be as much of a, of a reality as the law of gravity. I'm talking about the law of existential gravity. The gravity of life. Things in this world, though they go up at some times, they always seem to come down again. Good times give way to trouble. Peace lasts for a while, but it always ends in war. Relaxation, if it goes on too long, ends in apathy. And life gives way to death. It always does. It's a bit of a pessimistic view at the beginning of this year of our Lord 2011. What hopes do you hold for this year? Is the future bright, optimistic, exciting, perhaps? But if you dwell on it long enough, you consider that all sorts of things could happen and very well may happen. That's the way of things in this world. You look forward and it very easily happens that your gaze tends downward into the inevitable things of life. Such is the reality of our world. And that was the reality almost 2,000 years ago when the beloved apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, John, wrote this book. He wrote into a world that had this same love, existential gravity, things tending down. It was a world characterized by darkness and death. It was. It was a world that had forgotten about the God who made them. A, a world which no longer sought to hear from their Creator, from their Maker, from their Lord. John writes into this world, this world of darkness and death, but into it, he shines the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He shines the Gospel of light and of life. In a world that finds God silent, which plugs its ears to Him, John speaks about the Word. The Word. And he urges us to believe in Him. Believe in the Word. The Word. The Word who is over creation. The Word who created, in fact. The Word who, whom John proclaimed. John the Baptist. The Word who became incarnate. The Word who became flesh. Believe in the Word. Believe, first of all, in the Word who is over creation. The Gospel of John, in particular, reveals Jesus Christ in ways that the other Gospels simply don't. And he starts here in the most profound way, answering the question which he the question which he answers throughout the Gospel, who is Jesus? Who is this man, Jesus Christ, who lived on this world? Well, John begins, He is the Word. The Word. The Logos. The Word. 
who was with God, the Word who was God. Now, many have discussed what does this Word mean. And every student who's ever taken Philosophy 101 thinks that he or she has has stumbled across a great insight into the true origin of this Word. They read about this philosopher who came from Greece many, many years ago, before the time of Jesus. His name was Heraclitus, and he spoke about the Word, the Logos. And he, he spoke about this Logos as the supreme principle of this universe who, who was kind of like God without being really called God. He was the Word, the Logos, order, reason. And so when they hear about this, they think, this must be what John is talking about. Well, not really. You see, as much as John lived in a Greek world, what he more lived in was a Jewish world. John was raised on the Scriptures. John was raised on the Word. And he knew about the Word of God, as he says here, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. John knew Psalm 33, which spoke about the Word. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were created. The Word was present at creation. The Word is God's revelation of Himself. Throughout the Old Testament and into the New, the Word reveals God. It shows who God is and and what God does. It's God's revelation of Himself in creation and also in redemption as He saves God's people. And so, this is a, a powerful, profound title to give to that man who is called Jesus. He's not just a man called Jesus. He is the Word. And so it's a Jewish title. It's a, it's a title that resonates with the Scriptures from the Old Testament. But you understand, it's one that fits into the, into the wider world that John lives in. He's writing to a diverse audience, to, to Romans and Greeks and Jews. And he masterfully makes his message resonate with their worldview. He shows that Jesus Christ is the, the true answer to their deepest questions about who is God and, and what is this world all about, about their existence and their future. He speaks about the Word. Believe in the Word. It all begins with the Word. He was in the beginning. That resonates with Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God was. In the beginning, the Word was. He was present at creation. In fact, through Him, all things were made. God the Father is the origin of all things. Christ the Word is the mediator of creation. God has made all things through the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in two short lines, John communicates the deepest mystery of this world, the deepest mystery of Christianity, the Trinity. 
It's not a full exposition of the Trinity, but, but it gets right to the heart. Something of the heart is exposed that the, that the Word is a person who was. He is God, and yet He's separate from the Father. That word with expresses the, the eternal relationship that the Son has with the Father, has always had. He was with Him. They were together. They were inseparable. Yet they were separated. That's the mystery. How would you express the reality of that one who came from God? How, how would you communicate Him to this world? He's the, he's the eternal self-revelation of God in His creation, in His salvation. How do you express that succinctly? Well, John shows us He is the Word. John's Gospel is all about showing us who Jesus is, and He begins in eternity with the mystery of the Trinity, and He, and he moves from there to creation, where God begins to reveal Himself. He is the Word. But the revelation of God did not end with creation. In fact, that was only the beginning. The Word is the mediator of creation, but He's also the mediator of life, of, of all life in this created world. Life is in Him. All life in this world finds its source in Him, especially the life of mankind finds its source in Him. It did at creation... When He created life, and it still does today. The Word is life, and the Word is light. As with the, the term Word that, that John uses that's full of the Scriptures but resonates into the wider world that He lives in, so He does with these two things, with life and with light. They're, they're full of, of richness from the Old Testament Scriptures but yet they still resonate in this world as they do today. Almost every religion in the world speaks of, of life and light, light and darkness, life and death. Those are universal concepts. But John uses these, again, to say something profound about the Word. He is the life and the light. He's the source and mediator of life He's also the light of the world, that light to, the light that gives light to men. How do you understand these two words? They're very broad. How do you understand, what does it mean that He's life, that He's light? Well, contrast them with their opposites, with death and darkness. Darkness is evil. Darkness is a force of Satan who uses darkness to bring blindness and to work his schemes. Darkness was the situation in the world when Jesus Christ came. When Jesus Christ came as the light. In a spiritual way, the world was, was full of darkness. When the world, uh, when, when Jesus came into the world, just like when Jesus created the world, it was full of, of darkness. And so he came as the light, to thwart the power of the devil, to bring an end to sin and to deal with evil. And along with that, darkness is always death. 
death is the wages of sin, and death is the inevitable reality that mankind can't but contend with. The world that was created, death has become its defining characteristic. It's subject to death. That's the world that Christ came into. A world powerfully controlled by Satan. A world of human blindness and misguidedness. A world held under death and subject to death at every turn. It was a world in which death was ever-present and powerful to the point that some even tried to make it a god. That was the reality. But remember, before that was a reality, before there was darkness and death, There was the Word. In Him was life. And that life was the light of man that breaks through and breaks apart the darkness. John calls everyone who reads these words to believe in Him. Believe in the One who makes God known. Look through that darkness. Look past death. See Him who has defeated death. Believe in the One who came under the name Jesus, Son of Joseph born in Bethlehem, from the city of Naz- the town of Nazareth, believe that He is the Son of God. That He is the eternal, creative, and redemptive, life-containing, light-shining Word. Believe in Him. He's the One whom John proclaimed. There is, if you notice in our text, there's this movement from from the eternal, He was with God, He was God, to creation through Him all things were made, through the history of God's dealing with mankind, to the time immediately coming before Jesus Christ, who is what the Gospel is all about. In Christ was life. In creation, He gave life to men. Soon after creation, however, darkness appeared. It entered our experience, our reality, through Adam's sin and Satan's scheming. And so, it becomes there, in verse 5, one of the shortest summaries of human history, I think, that you could give. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So it has been. And just before that critical time when God would send His light into the world, He sent a herald of good tidings. John, a man himself, sent from God. We know from the other Gospels of the events surrounding John's uh, birth, strange and supernatural events, the appearance of angels. We know that he grew up to, to look like a wild man with unkempt hair, camel's hair tunic, a diet of locusts. He lived in the desert and he preached of the coming judgment and the need for repentance. And some of those details are going to come later in John's Gospel. But what was more important than the man was his message. John doesn't even mention his name till verse 15. The one who was more important than John was the one to whom he testified, the one who comes after me has surpassed me. Because He was before me. John came as a witness to testify concerning the light that shines in the darkness. The light that gives light to every man. 
John is the mouthpiece for the other John, the, the writer of this gospel, who will write near the end, these words, the words of this book, are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you might have life in His name. And so John the Baptist comes as a witness to the light so that through him, through that light, all men might believe. To hear the voice of that firebrand in the Judean desert testifying to the one who is greater than he? Do you know that light to which he is testifying? Into the darkness of this world, the light of God has come. The light has come to bring life. Life. Eternal, immortal, incorruptible life. Life greater than the power of at work in creation. Light that emanates from the light of men. Is there darkness in your life? Do you see the darkness in this world? Is death powerful to you? Does death hold sway over you? Is it something that you feel like you can't escape? Do you dread the darkness? Does it make you afraid? And hear the voice of John, who testified in the wilderness. He was a witness that you might believe in the Son of God. And that by believing, the the darkness and death would, would lose their grip. They would lose their power over you. That you would know Him who is life and that you would truly live. Know Him who reveals the glory of God. We have seen His glory. We've seen it in the Word of God. We've seen it in His Son, Jesus Christ. The One who became like us. The Word who became incarnate. What John sets up so masterfully for us at the beginning of this book is the struggle that has existed for almost all of human history. The struggle which has characterized the history of this world. The struggle between darkness and light. Between death and life. This struggle hasn't always existed. Remember that. It has not always existed. In the beginning was not the darkness. In the beginning was the Word who was with God and who was God. No, this struggle came only after the perfect creation by the Word. But it's a struggle nonetheless. And it's a struggle that's characterized in our text. John came to testify concerning the light because the light was coming into the world. The Word stands on one side of the struggle. He is the Word. He was with God. He was God. He's the true light. He made the world. He owns, we read in verse 11, mankind. He came to that which was His own. But His own did not receive Him. And that's the struggle. That's the tension. It becomes, it comes because those whom he owns, those whom he came for, didn't recognize him. They rejected the light that comes from God. 
They had rejected the light for most of their history and they were not about to change their ways. They they didn't recognize Him. They didn't see Him. His own did not receive Him. His, His very own, His own people. The ones He had made and called and and held throughout history, did not receive Him. It's a terrible picture. You have this darkness. You have this world succumb to death. And then the light from God comes. He shines in the darkness. He comes to defeat death and bring life. But they reject Him. It's a terrible picture, and it would be a tragic one. But for verse 12, yet, yet to all who received Him, to all who believed in His name, in that darkness, some recognized Him. And the rest of the Gospel will show that that those are whom God calls and drags to Him. God makes them His own. Those that recognized Him received Him. Believed in His name. Believed who He was. Believed that He was the Word of God. Believed that He was the light and the life. And to these He gave the highest honor, the right to become children of God. Not naturally. Not in the normal way. Not through whom they were born to. Or the situation in which they came into this world born of God, directly, supernaturally, spiritually. Those who believe in Jesus Christ become children of God. And so you have that contrast, the light of God and the darkness, the darkness which doesn't reject Him, but then some who do, and so they're brought over to the light. You have this this contrast and this struggle It's a struggle. It's the antithesis. It's the struggle that has existed from the fall into sin. The struggle between Satan and the church. The struggle between darkness and light. Between death and life. And those who recognize the One that came from God, who see His glory, they come over and they stand with God. And they stand against the world. That's that's a reality. That is reality at its most profound level. The purpose of John's Gospel is to call people to repentance. To humble themselves before the One who came from God, the Word, the life, the light. Not through pandering to them. Not for imagining that the darkness isn't there. But through truth and through grace. By speaking about the One who came from God in truth, in His fullness, in who He is, and of what's necessary to come before Him. Repent and believe. So when you believe in Him, it puts you against the world. It does. It puts you against the darkness. It puts you against the powers of death but it brings you into the bosom of God. It brings you right into God's arms as His beloved child. How is that possible? 
Well, it's because the Word became flesh. The Word became like one of those over here. He who came from the bosom of God came into this dark world. He became like us. He became like one of His own. One He had created. The light entered the darkness. The life gave Himself over to death. He did. That's kind of preposterous to believe. That's scandalous to believe. God became a creature. God became man. The light came into the darkness. He did. Do you believe it? Now you're wondering, who's he talking to? I come here every week. I'm a member of this church. Of course I believe this stuff. Well, John calls us to believe. To believe. To align ourselves with Him who the darkness rejects. And on the one hand, this is very easy. If you have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father full of grace and truth, this is easy. To believe in Him who is light and life. It's beautiful. It's satisfying. But on the other hand, it requires vigilance. It requires faithfulness. It requires constant returning to Him who, who is Jesus, who is the Word. It requires a return to faith, a return to worship. Not letting our eyes go down with that existential gravity that always seems to pull us down, but lifting our eyes up to Him who is in heaven. The right hand of God. The Word. Jesus Christ requires us to come before the eternal Word and consider that He became flesh. Lowly, weak, troubled flesh. He came into the flesh to save the flesh that He had created. He gave His life to save the life that we had forfeited. He came as light to destroy the darkness that had overtaken the world. He shone His glory into the world. Believe in Him. Come to Him. Live in Him. Break that law of gravity. Be drawn upwards to His life and His light. Experience His grace. Cling to His truth. The child born in Bethlehem is the Word of God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.